For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Here we are in the midst of this beautiful Christmas season, and my prayer is that your journey is filled with hope. My name is Al Brady, and I want to welcome you to this ministry. It is always a joy to have you join us. I trust that the word and the music will be a blessing. Would you hear now, please, the word of God from John's Gospel, chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the Father, of the only Son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was him of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From the fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God the only Son who is close to the Father's heart who has made him known. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me please for a moment of prayer? O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, which art our strength and our redeemer. Amen. A certain artist has given a unique twist to the Christmas story. This artist has shown the shepherds out on the hillside. They're looking up into the sky and they're listening to the angelic chorus. The angels are singing, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men and women with whom he is pleased. At the shepherd's feet is one of the shepherd's dogs. The dog seems to be aware and alert, but he's not looking into the sky with the shepherds. He's looking somewhere else. Now, in showing the difference between the dog and the shepherds, the artist has become true to the original understanding of Christmas. There were so many vast differences in observation. For instance, the Magi saw a star, which the other people in the region, including the shepherds, did not see. The shepherds, on the other hand, heard the angelic chorus singing glory to God in the highest, while the Magi did not notice. Then there was Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was pondering things too deep for the shepherds or the Magi. As I said, there were vast differences in the observations of people at that first Christmas. And then there was the dog. And in the New Testament, perhaps it's John more than any other who understands to tell us what really happened on that Christmas night. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, Joseph Bailey has written a poem that talks about the meaning of Christmas. I'd like you to hear this poem, please. Praise God for Christmas. Praise God for the incarnation, for the Word made flesh. I will not sing of shepherds watching flocks on frosty nights or angel choristers. I will not sing of a stable bare in Bethlehem, a lowing oxen, wise men trailing a star with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Today I will sing praise to God, who stood on heaven's threshold and said farewell to God's Son as he stepped across the stars to Bethlehem and Jerusalem. And I will sing praise to the infinite, eternal Son who became most finite, a baby who would one day be executed for my crime. Praise God in the heaven. Praise God in the stable. Praise God in my heart. So Christmas is about God's saying farewell to his son as he stepped across the stars and onto earth. The word became flesh. The light has come. Fred Craddock, the noted and notable preacher and teacher of preachers, said no higher compliment can be paid to the human condition than to say that the word has joined it in flesh. Max Lucado said when he was a child that all the little boys in his neighborhood would meet in the afternoons and play street football. He said as soon as they got home from school, they would throw down their books and run across the street. And he said one little boy who lived across the street had a father who had a strong arm and he loved football. And every day when this father would come in from work, they would holler at him to come across the street. Well, to his everlasting credit, he came and he always got on the side of those who were losing. But he said that when this father came into the huddle, he created a brand new experience. He said that all of us listened to him. He not only had a plan, but he was a leader. And he would say, now listen guys, this is what we're going to do. He said the other members of the other team would moan and groan because he was on our team. Then he said, we not only had a plan, but we had a leader. And this leader made all the difference in the world. That's exactly what God did at Christmas. He sent a leader, Jesus Christ, who makes so much difference in the world. So what, what kind of word is it? We're told that God sent his son in the form of a word. What kind of word is it? Well, just thinking about this is very, very fascinating. The word conveys the meaning of something that I might say to you or you might say to me in terms of what is in our minds or in our hearts. It's an understandable word. What kind of word is it? It's an understandable word. In 1991, my wife and I went to the World Methodist Conference in Singapore. After that conference, we toured with another group and we went to China for 12 days. I remember we visited two churches, one in Shanghai and the other in Xi'an. And I remember going to church in Xi'an and the preacher, who was a Chinese preacher, was preaching in his own language. And I sat out there in his congregation and didn't understand a word he said. As a matter of fact, I thought to myself, this would be a good time to make a mental break, just to think things that I wanted to think and not in terms of that church service. But in a little while, there was a lady who appeared in the pew right behind me. And with beautiful English, she began to interpret what that Chinese preacher was saying. And it was so beautiful. 
she did it so well, and his message was so wonderful. I was so edified. I was so thankful that I could understand. Now, suppose God had spoken to humankind in a riddle. We never would have understood what he was saying. But God didn't choose to do that. God chose to speak to us in the form of a baby, a common language that all of us can understand. We can all understand a baby, and it helps us to understand what God is trying to say to us. He came in the form of a baby. So that's the first thing. It's an understandable word. And then secondly, it's a liberating word. A liberating word. I remember when my oldest son Brad was a little boy. We took him to see Santa Claus in an apartment store. My son was so afraid of Santa Claus, he had thought about him before he got there. He wouldn't even get into Santa's lap. So that whole next year, my wife and I kept telling him what all the good things Santa Claus did and could do and all of this. And we worked particularly hard before we went back to that store for the visit. Well, the next time we went to the store to visit Santa Claus that next year, the Brady family experienced a great, great triumph. For our little boy, when he saw him, he started running down the hall and he jumped into his lap and he started enthusiastically telling him of everything he wanted for Christmas. You see, when our little boy knew the truth, he was emancipated from his fears. Ravi Zacharias is a Christian apologist. He said he was invited by an executive to come to the Orient to speak to a group of executives. He said this executive was one of the wealthiest men in that country. As a matter of fact, he was one of the ten wealthiest men in all the world. So on the way from the airport to the place where he was going to speak, he asked this man, he said, how did you come to trust Christ? The man said, almost 18 months ago, I said to my wife, I have everything, but I'm empty. He said, I need something. He said, do you suppose I need God? His wife joined him for the search, and they began to search for God. Now, he said it wasn't any big happening. It wasn't any big deal. He just joined a prayer group, a Bible study group. And he said before long, he had come to know the joy of the Lord. What was it that we are told? Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And what? The truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. And then it's an affirming word. This word is an affirming word, a loving word, a word of grace. Rebecca West who was a well-known novelist, decided to send a gift to a, another woman novelist who was having a hard time. So she went to the store and she brought a beautiful bottle of perfume and a beautiful scarf. And so she sent it to this woman who was having a hard time and the note in the package read like this. I thought you need a, a bit of spoiling. Love, Rebecca. Well, that's exactly what God did for us on Christmas. He came and he spoiled us. He sent us his own son, Jesus Christ. Not that we were worth it. He sent it to us because his nature is to love. And he loved us enough to send his son. Joseph Fort Newton was an early preacher. And he once said of Christmas, For the first time, humankind was glad about God. The word made flesh. The light has come. And then secondly, the word made flesh. The light remains. Do you know what we're told in the Gospel of John? We're told that this world is full of darkness. I don't think we need to be reminded of that, but we do need to be reminded of this second thing. The light has not been extinguished by the darkness. The light has not been extinguished by the darkness. We need to hear that again and again and again. Having pictured creation as groaning in travail, 
the Apostle Paul reaches a crescendo of hope and assurance when he says these words. He says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. From his Isle of Patmos, John had a vision of the cosmic victory of Christ to a persecuted church. He was sharing with them these words, and he made this statement. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and of his reign shall be forever and ever. Let me ask you a question. Can we still say this with confidence in a world that does not appear to have God is full of truth and grace? Of course we can. Because, you see, we don't look at the world first for our understanding of God. We look at God first for our understanding of God. And when we look at God first, we see Jesus Christ come to us in the form of flesh. Author and pastor Leif Anderson said years ago he was in Manila. And he said they took him to the Manila garbage dump site. And he said while they were there, he saw all these houses that had been built out of other people's garbage. Every morning, the people would send their children out throughout this garbage site dump to get food to feed their families. Some of these people had been born there. Some of these people lived all their lives there. They married there. They had children there. They died there. And he said, isn't this astonishing? But he said, even more astonishing, there were some Americans living in that garbage dump. These Americans were missionaries. They had left what they had in their homeland and went to live on a garbage dump so that they could share Jesus Christ with those people who would never have opportunity to know him. Why? The Word made flesh. Let me ask you something. Why is the witness and life of Nelson Mandela so marvelous? Well, many reasons. But here was a man who was in prison for 27 years. And when he came out of prison, he forgave those people who put him there. As a matter of fact, the day he was inaugurated as president of the Republic of South Africa, he had the guard who had punished him all those years sitting on the front row. Here was someone who refused to be violent. Here was someone who worked peace. He was like Martin Luther King, Jr. He used nonviolence to achieve his ends. And today he's reverenced and appreciated not only for his freedom, but his reconciliation purposes not only in South Africa, but all over the world. Why is that? What is that about the Word made flesh? The Word made flesh. That's something we all need to be aware of. Now, to affirm the Christmas light does not mean that life is rosy and that there are no more problems. To affirm the Christmas light does not mean that there's no more prejudice or discord in the world. To affirm the Christmas light does not mean that there are not tragedies in the world. Of course there are tragedies. But to affirm the Christmas light means that we understand that there is no tragedy big enough to keep God's presence and love from engulfing the situation, covering the situation, revealing himself in the situation, and enlightening the situation. An artist drew a picture. The picture had this man, young man, playing chess against the devil. Well, the devil made a decisive move. And the devil won. And so that's what was underneath it. The devil won. Many of these great chess players came and studied that picture. And they felt sorry for the young man. But finally there was an 
extra master of chess, a fellow named Paul Murphy who came and studied that picture. And very excitedly he said, this is what he said. He said, don't give up. You still have another move. You still have another move. And that's exactly what God says to us at Christmas. No matter what the situation, don't give up. You still have another move. The Word became flesh. Now, I don't know whether you believe in angels or not. There was a poll conducted by Time magazine that said 69% of the people do believe in angels. 25% do not believe in angels, and the rest are not sure. As I said, I don't know whether you believe in angels or not, but I do hope you believe that there's a power working in the world for your good and creation's good. I do hope you believe there's a power in the world that can take tragedy, even a cross, and turn it into something good and victorious. The Word became flesh. The light remains. And then one other thing here. The Word made flesh. The light is brighter through us. The light is brighter through us. As Gautur was dying, he said, light, more light. That's the cry that's coming up from all over the world. Light, more light. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, you are the light of the world. Let me tell you something. We Christians have the greatest responsibility in all the world. Because Jesus is no longer here in the flesh, we have the responsibility of representing the light as the body of Christ, the church. That is our great responsibility, representing the light, God's church, and the Spirit of God through God's church. Do you know in the United States of America there are 100 million Christians if so, why is there so much darkness in this land? We're told that in the world there are almost a little more than a billion Christians. Why is there so much discord and violence and frustration and all of the prejudice and all of this? Could it be that so many people have forgotten their responsibility of being the light? Christmas is a time to rekindle the light. I want to give you some practical ways that we can rekindle the light in our time. Would you listen to these, please? Number one, we can identify with a common good rather than selfish interest. Number two, we can pray for peace and question the ethics of all violence. Number three, we can move beyond church as usual. Number four, we can affirm our neighbor regardless of color, creed, nationality, sexual orientation, or religion. Five, we can maintain our convictions but be respectful of other religions. Number six, we can understand that not all truth resides in the way we see it. Number seven, we can realize that no matter how much we give, we can never give enough. Number eight, we can recognize that love is not power, but power is giving away love. Number nine, we can hold on to a courageous hope that refuses to curse the darkness. And then number 10, we can commit ourselves and you to that still more excellent way, which is the way of love. A minister has just finished his speech in a high rise for the elderly. The message had been on where do you find the Messiah in our time. A man responded, he said, you know, I rented my house and I moved here a month ago. He said, my wife fought a long battle against cancer and she lost. She said, I love my children. I just don't see them a lot. 
she said, he said, this is probably my last Christmas because I have an illness that I'm not going to overcome. But he said, I've learned, I've learned one big lesson in life, and that lesson is I cannot love or be loved enough. I cannot love or be loved enough. That's where we experience Christ in the midst of that kind of love. A mother was telling a story to a little child. She had the child on her lap. And then she turned the first page of the book, and that was a picture of Jesus. And the mother said to the little girl, do you know who he is? And the little girl answered, oh, sure, he goes to our church. That didn't just happen. It never would have just happened. It happened because those in the church are intentionally seeking to be the light of the world, the body of Christ, the glory of Christ. That's the reason that happened. So the question is, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. The light has come. The light shines. The light shines brighter through us. The word became flesh and dwells among us. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this Christmas season. We are grateful for all the marvelous things that transpire. But most of all, we thank you for the Christ who lives within us, who lives throughout the world, in people's lives everywhere. We ask, O oh God, you'd help us to be consciously aware of his presence and allow him to live in and through us. Make everybody a blessing. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you so very much for joining us tonight, and I trust this whole service has been a blessing to you, word and music. Thank you. Good night.